The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning and welcome to America's Web Radio again. After a great uh, Doctor's Lounge show earlier, and uh, it's time now for a veteran's place. And uh, we've got our host on, Dr. Don Moeller, and... Uh, I'm sure Don's going to have some very interesting things for us today. And as always, get out your pen and paper, your pad, and whatever else that you want to write on, and uh, get ready for a great show. And uh, as we we do always, uh, any show that's a veteran show, we start it out with a... Uh, a moment of silence, and uh, I should have I should have pulled this up earlier, and I didn't. And uh, so we'll just take a moment of silence right quick and uh, think about those that are our veterans, those that have given the ultimate sacrifice, and also those that are serving both in the military and as our first responders. So we'll take a moment of silence and we'll be back in just about one minute. Thank you, and we want to thank all of those that veterans that have served our country and those that are serving today that um, need our support and hopefully are getting our support. With that being said, we also do one other thing to make sure everybody's heart is pumping and pumping well. So, here we go. Young man! Young man! He can hang! And there we go, and everybody's ready after a cadence call and ready to go. So, Dr. Don, how are you doing this morning? Well, thanks, Dave. Uh, I want to tell the listeners out there that uh, Dr. Don started out as a private E-1 in the U.S. Army semi-draft E and worked his way up to Spec 5 Medic. Life as a 19 year old guy being called Doc, not Doctor. So, the stuff that I'm going to talk about this morning, uh, I learned from the bottom uh, and then worked up 
I'm not standing back as a 100% commissioned officer. Uh, I started out and did the, did the full ride as an enlisted man, and, and I'm glad that I did. And, you know, Dave, when you play the cadence, uh, it, that's, does, uh, that does bring back fond memories. And part of the reason I think you agree with me that the cadence lets you know you're a member of a team uh, and you're singing along as part of the team. And when you're getting tired on the run, your team picks you up. And uh, America's Web Radio is kind of calling cadence for a whole bunch of guys uh, out there uh, who may need help. Uh, this week I had a patient in my office, and we'll call him a tip of the spear guy, fully dedicated, you know, Special Forces Ranger, you know, Parajumper Air Force, Marine Corps Recondo kind of guy. And I asked him, I said, tell me that you weren't briefed when you left the service about all the things that PTSD could do. And he looked at me and said, they told me nothing, absolutely nothing. So part of this program that we're doing here uh, and on, on America's Web Radio on Veterans Place is to kind of fill in for those people that snuck through or were ignored when you ETS. Now, I know when I got out from Vietnam, there was no briefing at all about PTSD or any other thing that uh, you might expect. And, and, that, and that wasn't good. And I don't know that they're, they've improved on that. Hopefully they have. But if you're one of the uh, first responders or veterans uh, who left the service and were not briefed on what PTSD could do to your life, we, we want to fill that in at this time. I'm going to just review very briefly, uh, because we're talking about PTSD. Now, today we're going to move on to the mental health aspects, uh, uh, and that's going to start in a couple minutes. But I wanted to just review. People don't understand that PTSD is, we'll call it the silent, potentially silent killer. It's, it starts with insidious changes in your life. And they cause side effects which take place in your life that are basically imperceptible. And the reason they're imperceptible is when you leave a combat zone, come back to the civilian world, you carry that baggage with you, so to speak. Your first aid kit, your survival kit, which is, you know, the alertness, the awareness, making quick decisions. So you don't really know that you've got any problem because you're carrying that same survival kit on your hip that you learn to learn to fill up with thoughts and ideas when you're in, a, in the war zone. So the main thing you need to understand, and everybody needs to understand, it affects your physical health, your blood pressure, your endocrine system, your pulmonary system, uh, immune system. It also affects, and we'll call it the emotional system how you react to things. It also affects the spiritual system. It affects the relational system. So if you haven't been briefed on what could happen, you, you start to think that it's either you or, or one of your friends or your family. Uh, but in reality, uh, your world has been distorted and you don't know it. 
because it's been so gradual. And also, you have to remember that it seems normal to you uh, because that was, it's actually, PTSD has, in a way, become the result of a way of life. So we're going to move on today and talk about the mental health issues which are common to veterans and their families. And we, previously, we talked about relational situations, both at home and at work. Well, now we're going to talk specifically about what can happen to you and your family. Now, the stuff that I'm going to talk about is not just off the cuff. It's got research behind it. For example, suicide has increased four to five times, and maybe even more than that in a veteran uh, over the non-veterans. Domestic violence has increased significantly. Substance abuse has increased. It also occurs with military sexual trauma uh, soldiers who experience that. Also, if you've had traumatic brain injury, this can cause uh, problems in this field as well. Cognitive deficits, uh, and we'll talk about that more. You can have depressive uh, disorders. Major depressive disorder follows uh, along with deployments and uh, PTSD and traumatic brain injury. They, there's overlapping relationships. So if you say, well, I just had a traumatic brain injury, well, you may have had PTSD as well. Uh, then there's the problems of medical, uh, um, we'll call it reintegration and adjustment. When you come back from a deployment, and we're going to discuss this again at length, when you come back from a deployment, you're different. Your family is different. And there's an adjustment period. And things can happen during that adjustment period that you were not expecting, especially if you haven't been briefed uh, on that. Uh, what's going on is it also depends on what what service you were in and, and, and what, what you did. And I do not mean to say uh, that if you were a clerk in logistics and had to go, uh, were assigned to pick up a deceased soldier's personal belongings, that, that you're not going to have a significant effect as well. So uh, everybody who deploys today uh, can, can be affected by these mental health things. Another thing that you need to consider, what was your job? Now, you kind of have to give yourself this checklist uh, to see what risk you're at. For example... If you were a frontline infantry guy, your chances of having PTSD or mental health issue or family relational problems are much higher than if you were assigned to a very rare area uh, where there was very little action and you got to call your, your family on a regular basis from the combat zone. So you kind of have to place yourself and rank yourself and say, hey, maybe I was in a little tougher assignment than I thought I was going to be, and as a result, you may be more prone to some of these things. And we've discussed what's going on in other shows. This one's kind of about general mental health in your family. Now, 
some specific questions that come out of these surveys. Were you assigned to a hostile or combat environment? Did you see enemy fire or did you witness casualties? Or were you uh, wounded or were you injured? Were you exposed to noise or chemicals? Well, what did I just do? I just gave you some medical screening questions. And this is the main topic I now want to review. When you go in to see a physician or nurse practitioner or medical health care provider, you need to put down that you were in a combat zone and that your life was significantly changed. They will not know this. Currently, only about 0.7%, not 1%, less than 1% of the population is involved in combat operations in defense of the country. So when you go in for medical care, even if the question is not on the medical form, you can write, please ask me about my combat or military or deployed experience. And then you will let them know that you were in a hostile combat environment, that you did see nasty and and, and terrible things. And this is important for your doctor to know. Why? Because if you have PTSD, you are are going to be confronted with a, a, a cluster of physical problems. And this will help him diagnose what problems you have, especially if some of them, for example, if you have hypertension and you seem to be a little bit young for hypertension, and you say, hey, I was in combat on four deployments, well, that's going to help him work that puzzle. All right, now we're going to specifically start talking about some of the things that you have an increased chance of having that you need to be on guard for, as well as your family members, because they're part of your team. And again, the family situation is critical to your to your mental health. The first one is depression and suicide. Now, 17% of all U.S. suicide deaths are veterans. Well, go figure. We don't make up 17% of the population, not anywhere near that. The next figure, 12% of all U.S. Army super suicides occur within 12 months of a hospital discharge. And we're going to talk about just getting out of the Army and changing units and things like that. But right now, these are just general statistics. The majority of military suicides occur shortly after discharge from the military service. Now, what's going on with this? And I, unfortunately, I was actually pretty much a, a witness to one of these uh, tragedies, and it, and it got me thinking, it's very real. You're singing cadences with your friends and your fellow soldiers with a common mission on one day, and the next day you're out of the service. Uh, you say, well, I, I've been waiting to get out of this service for 20 years or five years. And when the day it happens, you, you get dumped into the civilian world, and they're not... They're not your support group any longer, especially people at work that don't know anything about being in the military. So you just walked away from your support group. You can go back to the barracks or formation or lunch. You can talk about things that are important. You, you can't do that. 
And you have to understand that's critical for your for your mental health you know, to have a support group. Don, if I can throw something in that uh, sounds pretty elementary, but all of a sudden you wake up one day and you you literally have to decide what to wear. <laughs> yeah, 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 Dave. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I remember the feeling the first day I got up, I no uniform. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, did you want to say something more on that? That's a good thought, Dave. No, I, I was just thinking, you know, what, what, uh, what people don't understand when you come back from a deployment or come back from, you know, when you return to civilian life and, uh, you know, it, it sounds like that, that's pretty crazy. Well, you know, you know what to wear. What do you do on the weekends? But, you know, if you're in the military, and yeah, you have your weekend civvies that you wear, probably, even if you're on base, but, you know, all of a sudden, you're not on base, you're at home, and uh, you've got to, maybe you're going to go look for a job, or maybe you're going to do this or do that, and... Uh, and th- I think this this comes through not just, and I wasn't kidding about having to make the decision on what what am I going to wear today, but it, all of a sudden you have to make a lot of decisions that, you know, a week ago you weren't having to make. And that sounds simple. That's right. But it's, it's, it's very frustrating to the person that uh, just came off of deployment. Dave, the converse is true too. One day I was a civilian, and the next day I woke up at four in the morning in a barracks with a DI banging trash can lids and throwing stuff around. I mean, you're you're getting traumatized in the reverse direction, right? Absolutely. So, yeah, and that I'm glad you brought that up. There's these are very subtle things that mark transition points, and this is why. Mental health changes can start to wear on you or become apparent if you're not looking for them. You need to. Because your veteran friends, and I'm going to list them here, you have very strong bonds with them, especially the closer you were to the front lines. You had responsibilities in the military, which you knew uh, where you belonged, what your job was, when it had to be done. It represented steady employment because basically, when you look at it, you either work for the government or you didn't, or you lipped off to second lieutenant and and you were in jail. So it made it real easy to comply. So you've left that very rigid environment, and now you're working with civilians. That when you say be there at eight o'clock and they come drifting in between nine and ten, you know, you, it's it's a big it's a big change in your system. You have to understand these things add up. And they, they do make a difference because when you take structure away from an individual, even, uh, civilians go, going into either the military or first responders where you, you just aren't late for a formation because the team, the same team that you were singing cadences with, that's to let you know everybody's in on this. We all got together at the same time to run and do PT. It's not, it comes sometime in the morning. So these subtle 
uh, ethical and moral things that that you've been inculcated with in the military are no longer there. So these are are risk factors. So many of the protective factors uh, are and do apply to recently discharged veterans or retired veterans. Because someone says once a veteran, always a veteran, in a way it is true. So all these are risk factors, ultimately, for uh, putting you in harm's way with your mental health. In other words, you're in an unstructured environment. So let's look at some risk factors for uh, attempting or completing suicide. Now, combat exposure or deployment to a combat position, that is a higher uh, probability of both attempting and completing suicide. So you have to understand, hey, if I'm getting depressed, you have to kind of look at, look at a line. And if I cross that line, my thoughts are getting a little bit uh, out of line here. And you can t- contemplate it suicide. You, you need to get some help. And there are veterans that come back, and they seem totally normal, and the next next time they're gone, the next day you hear about them a week later, and they said, you know, our buddy offed himself. So the other thing is, if you've been wounded, if you have combat wounds, that also increases your chance of suicide. If you have PTSD or other mental health problems, either before or after you served, even if you're a retired veteran. These things start to add up. So you look at combat exposure, combat environment, combat wounds, PTSD. Now you've got major depression. 40% of PTSD patients can have major depression. That in itself is a increase probability of you thinking about or or have they're doing suicide traumatic brain injury you got to remember when you clocked your melon so to speak banged your head your, your cognitive capabilities are not the same you don't know they're not the same but you may know but you may not know another thing and we're, we keep circling around this point is poor social support when you come back from an assignment your social support has changed. First of all, you're in a new unit with a new commander, new rules, and maybe a new mission, obviously a new mission. But you may be working out of your primary, secondary MOS. That's stress-inducing as well. So your, your old unit, you knew who did what and why they did it, and they were your buddies. Well, when you come to the new unit, you don't have the same sense of belonging. You may also seem to think, wow, before I can uh, learn the ropes in this unit, I'm kind of the outside guy. Even though you're in the military, especially if you have changed positions of responsibility under a new commander. And one of the most important things that we need to discuss is use of lethal force. You know, no one in the military has to has to be told how to use a firearm. And so one thing that you need to consider, and put it on your checklist, because that's where we're going down here. If you start meeting all these requirements, you have to keep a special watch on yourself. If you think, and I 
I've had a lot of military friends, and some of them told their friends, hey, you need to keep my guns for me. You need to keep my weapons. I don't need them right now. You, you know, you just, you make it harder. And, and there's no shame uh, in, in calling a battle, buddy. Uh, let them know. And you counted on them in combat, and you can count on them when you get back to the United States. Some other things that can cause suicides increased. Let's say for no good reason your second lieutenant jumps you or you're some stupid officer. Hey, I was enlisted for a long time. Jumps you for no freaking reason, and somehow you end up with some stripes being removed from your shoulders or your collar. Especially if you were doing everything you could to do a good job for the unit, and that's the thanks you get. These things can lead to suicide. And I'll tell you what, uh, Dave, it's the same thing as singing cadence. You're part of a pack. You're part of a team. And when you're no longer a leader in the pack or you've been insulted in front of the pack, that's got a completely different uh, meaning than, let's say, you're an insurance salesman and selling insurance for company XYZ and your boss is about to fire you. You just go work for company QRS. And, you, and they figure, hey, he's moving up. In the military, you carry that with you. Uh, so you also may have been uh, told that because of an injury, you may be changing your your status for fitness for duty. Now this, go ahead, Dave. Yeah, we're sort of at a stopping point and need to take a break, and uh, we'll be back with a veteran's place right after a couple of commercials. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded Show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. If you want the truth about politics, medicine, weapons, classic, we wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you are not already a patron, you can help us continue to produce some of the most informative and entertaining shows on the Internet by becoming a patron. Patrons of America's Web Radio are the first to receive information about new shows and links to the latest podcast episodes. Join now and receive a free gift while supplies last. For more information and to join our family, please visit www.patreon.com slash America's Web Radio. If you have questions, contact us at gm at americaswebradio.com. And as always, thank you for listening. Start taking back our country from the liberal wokes by voting locally for conservative Republicans. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the americasbroadcastnetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And you're listening to one of our many veteran-type programs, A Veteran's Place. And uh want to remind you that uh, we had the Doctor's Lounge on earlier this morning. And we also uh, do a veteran show called Remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm. And then David's Pick generally has veterans on it. So whatever you're doing... If you're a veteran, we want you to listen and uh, 
hopefully we'll have some good information for you as well as we'd ask and appreciate it if you'd pass it on to other veterans that there's a place called America's Web Radio that truly cares because we're veterans and uh, we want you to know it and we want to help you and if if we can help you just uh, you got a question or a comment send it to gm at americaswebradio.com and we'll get you an answer or we'll work with you and find you an answer if we can and right now it's time to get back to uh, Dr. Don Don it's all yours thanks Dave yes sir we're we're uh, working right now on the topic of mental health issues common to veterans and their families. We've mentioned a couple things. Uh, we talked about mental screening. When you're going to the doctor, less than 1% of the people have uh, served their country. So you need to mention that you have. The other thing we're talking about is risk factors for depression and suicide. And this is uh, a big issue. And I just heard a couple days ago that the idea that 17 veterans a day are taking their lives is easily could be 30% underestimated. And so it's a serious problem. And we're talking about warning signs and risk factors. And the risk factors, if you were frontline unit, you're exposed to combat. If you have PTSD in addition to that or major depression or traumatic brain injury, poor social support, and we talked about your unit. You know, uh, we're pack animals. Military guys are pack animals. We love dogs. I have dog here, and they're pack rules. And when the, when, the, when you exclude your dog from chow time, you know, he expects a cut from whatever you're eating. That's it. That's inborn to these dogs. And so just flip them a little piece of something from the table uh, because that's a big deal for your dog. He, he's part of the team. He's part of the pack. It's not just uh, eaten by yourself. It, it means more. And so I, that's just that's I'm just throwing that in because that's how it, soldiers feel and veterans. When you leave the military it, in 24 hours, you go from a guy with a job and friends and a close knit group with a mission to uh, to a different world. So. We were talking about um, things for risk factors for suicide. Uh, you can get stress uh, from perceived sense of injustice in the unit in command. It's kind of a betrayal thing. Uh, you, you know, we, we're taught to take our jobs very seriously in the military. You, again, you're singing cadences. You're part of the team. Everybody has, you know, the weakest link in the chain, so to speak. So when you feel injustice occurred, especially if you've been putting 100% effort out there, uh, that can be that can be devastating, rather than, you know, you're raking leaves someplace for the city uh, as a civilian, and they go, hey, you missed some, you know, who cares? You know, they build up the mission, and so you get on board with that. So, so remember, you know, if they kind of kicked you in the head there, that might be giving you a little bit more mental stress than you want to admit. Uh, just being, in, and I never was, in an airborne, you know, what do you call them, strack units, command and leadership crisis, I mean, that's a lot of stress. 
you know, you're late, you don't have your gear, and they jump you for that. We take it real seriously, and so you gotta, you gotta, gotta keep in mind that, and and this is the same for first responders too. When you jump on the fire truck or EMT or or a police uh, policeman, you got your protocols. You go into highly stressful situations. You're part of a team, and so you have to understand that uh, you things that normally wouldn't bother a civilian like an accountant you know i took accounting took a couple courses if i made a mistake yeah i just got an eraser uh, i guess today you just hit the delete button but at any rate you know, that's not military that's not what we used to do transferring duty stations well if you have to work in a secondary mos or something remember you're still held to the same standards as the guy that did it as his primary mos so Remember that just transferring to a different unit, even if it's on the same base, can create a little bit more stress to a to a veteran or active duty soldier than than you'd anticipate. Uh, so uh, there's some things to uh, also under, to look for. Don, you know, yes, you know the army or or the military in general. Um, is a big psychological powerhouse, and they start working on your psyche from the time you get into uh, basic, the first day, the first night, the first everything, and they get into it, and they they do a heck of a job, and it's they've been working at it for years and years and years. 250, 240, 250 years to continue to perfect perfect what they do. And one of the things that they do is, um, like you said, in a cadence, it's everybody doing the cadence. If if it's uh, one of the first things they do, too, is, well, Muller, you haven't learned how to make your bed yet, so if you screw up again... Tomorrow morning, the whole platoon is going to pay for it. Yep. <laughs> and, yeah. You know, and and this is a, this is a psyche that the you know you are a team, and if you if you got one screw up in your platoon or your squad or whatever, uh, they best get their act together, or they're going to have a, a blanket party. And you know when. You don't get it right. Well, not just you. You won't be the only one punished. Everybody in your squad or platoon or company or whatever it happens to be will get punished. And uh, like you said, it's it's all teamwork. And yeah, if it's if it's Don that's screwing up, well, he's got Joe behind him to check and make sure he doesn't screw up in the morning. You know, and it's working yeah. together. Dave, that's so important because that culture, you know, uh, especially like in surgery, you you have to realize there are no unimportant jobs in the operating room because if one person, even the janitor, didn't clean properly, that patient's at risk. And that's carried over into the military. You know, everybody's job is important. And, and I know... It, it, exactly what you said in basic training that's instilled in you one guy that doesn't make his bed 
isn't going to kill anybody, but they're going to teach you that when you ask you to do it right, everything you do, if you don't do it right, people are going to maybe lose their lives. And so that that's an important thing. That And like you said, that the important point is that indoctrination, and it's necessary, starts from the minute you jump off that bus uh, until the last hour you sign at the transfer point when you're out of the military. And and when only 1% of the population goes through it, you uh, you really can't talk to everybody about it. And that's why we have a veteran's place to just, hey, we're out there. Your buddies are in it with you. And uh, that's a good point, Dave. Thanks for bringing that up. Uh, one Another risk factor, if you're... If you got hopelessness, you go, man, the days just aren't aren't working for me anymore. If you have insomnia, you just can't get to sleep. Or if you go to sleep, you're not asleep very long. So you may lay down in bed and sit there and not be able to go to sleep. Or if you do to go to sleep, your sleep is garbage. It's not restful. Or you wake up... Uh, with your heart pounding or a cold sweat, having nightmares. You know, these are things you can only take so long. You may be agitated. There may be what we call biosocial stressors uh, that, that are in your face. And here's what happens. You come back from a deployment. We're going to talk about this most likely next week. Uh, you come back from a deployment, and your support group, that's your family, has changed possibly significant ways and so you've got to deal with that you've got to deal with moving in finding a house your car breaks down and you miss formation well it's starting to go downhill so all this kind of stress adds up and also for the retired guys you know that that have worked with the military remember if you carry that stress and that you can do the do a job, and I and Dave, I, I know you're on board with this. When you go into a civilian situation, and I know when you say, "Hey, we starting at nine o'clock," I mean nine o'clock means anything between nine and nine thirty. It really grates on you. Well, you, that military attitude of get the job done, do it right, do it right the first time. Well, that carries over even if you're retired. So you know, like watch for it. And another thing that, and, and we talked about, is the spiritual and moral uh, things that have happened in your life. That you that those are down deep. And we talked about it on the show: guilt and shame, and frustration and betrayal. All these things may become seeping to the top, and you don't know what's going on. So you have to be aware of this. In my opinion, I hope they're doing it now. They really need to brief the soldiers and even their families about the changes uh, when you come back from a deployment or when you're getting out, transitioning into the civilian world. So it's it's kind of a, uh, we'll call it times of transition, either deployment or separation or you're uh, from the unit or changing units. Uh, you have to have your support group. So if you're single and you don't have a support group, you kind of got to realize that it's important to get hooked into one. You think, hey, I'm a loner. I can do it by myself. That sounds good 
rolling off your lips, but in reality, remember we're pack animals. When you there's certain I'm in a biologist too. There's certain animals that have to have other animals around. And and I also Dave, you may agree with this. I look at service people, first responders, EMTs, police department. We're the sheep dogs. And I guarantee you the sheep don't have a clue. They really don't. And if people find that insulting, go ahead and join the army and, and prove me wrong. Don't tell me I'm wrong. We're the sheep dogs and we guard the sheep. We're probably not appreciated except on a couple days a year. But when you're a sheep dog, you can't think like a sheep can. And basically, you're out looking for a, a little flock to take care of. And you know when the when these uh, guys attack people in restaurants and stores, and you see the veterans stand up. Well, hey, that's just who we are. The police, the firemen. Somebody said, you know, when you hear gunshots. The police and firemen, EMTs, and soldiers run towards them and not away from them. So, any rate, John, uh, we're going to move. Down one other thing that uh, we we haven't touched on, but we've certainly touched on the fact that the army or whatever branch you're in, your platoon, your squad, you you do become brothers. So. How many times and how many people have you talked to that, you know, they get through with their deployment, and uh, particularly if it was in a battle zone, uh, but you get you get away from your hot zone, but you don't get away from the friends that you left behind, and so all of a sudden you've you've got a new family that, you know. Why, how, do, how come I got out and Joe got wounded? Or, you know, and now you're worried yeah. about your family that you left behind, not that you left behind in the States, but that you left behind in Nam or in, in a hot zone or whatever. And so you've got another stress added to you. Well, you know, I wonder how, I wonder how my old platoon's doing. I wonder how Sergeant so-and-so's doing. And, you know, it, it's something that all of a sudden you've got a whole brand new worry uh, system going on because you've left behind your military family. You, Dave, I when I came back from Vietnam, I worked as a janitor at a hospital, and one of the guys that did security there must have been twenty five. He was the captain on a patrol riverboat, PBR. And I was assigned to that unit, so I was familiar. And he, we were talking one night, and he started talking about he just got back from Vietnam a couple months before. And he finally said, he looked at me and said, I've had it, I'm going back. I said, what do you mean? He says, my crew needs me. I mean, that was his last night. He joined the Navy, and he, he missed his crew, like you said. He was sitting here making money. It was in San Jose, California making a decent salary, going to college, and he finally just said, no, I can't take this. He said, nice nice knowing you, I'm going back to Nam. That was back in 70. And, you know, what, what, you said it's true. You, you know, we, we're talking about this stuff. But in reality, your, your buddies are still still in your heart. So we're going to move on now in, in the last couple minutes. Uh, we're going to talk about your plan for suicide. Now, this 
sounds very strange. You should have, you need, you need to discuss this with your significant others. You need to say, hey, uh, we have to have a plan. And what I mean by that is, I don't mean when you're sitting there with a gun in your hand. I mean, when you're starting to feel depressed, you, you already need to have the numbers of your battle buddies or your, or, or your friends or your whoever that you can call. Now, I, I want to say that the VA has done a good job with their crisis support lines. Uh, you call them, they will answer, and they will get something done. Also, this just apparently recently passed the VA Congress, whoever, any veteran, any veteran, whether you think you're eligible or not, can call a crisis hotline, and you will get emergency care even in a VA hospital. Say that again. If you are a veteran, whether you got an honorable discharge or not, I guess, but at any rate, you say, man, I've reached the end of the rope. You call the crisis line, and you walk into a freaking VA hospital, and you sit there, and you go, you're going to treat me. So that's what I mean by having a crisis response plan, all right? Uh, now, if you want to talk to somebody or a mental health person about this. There are two ways to just kind of either talk with your friend or if they're seeing a mental health, they'll start with what's called a semi-structured interview. And they're going to ask you, did you, do you, or have you had a plan to kill yourself, suicide? And you may say, no, I never did or whatever, if you say, yeah, uh, I've had a plan, and I, and I know how to implement it, well, you've, you've made the step, you, you self-identified as, hey, you need some help now, okay? And that's, that's the critical, there's no shame in saying, hey, I've had enough, I want to ring the bell. Well, if you've got a plan for suicide, you, if you've, you need to talk to someone in your crisis response plan. And it sounds like really stupid, but you got to have a plan. Like, these are the people, got to have the numbers of the people you're going to call, including the, the VA crisis hotline. Just write it down someplace and have it ready. Now, an unstructured conversation with a battle buddy. Now, I'm talking about your battle buddy calls or another policeman or your fireman. You go, hey, you know, What's really distressed you lately? What are your current complaints? And you, and you listen to them. Don't try and fix them because you're not going to. You have to, you're their buddy, and you have to say, we'll call him Bob. Bob's had enough. And part of that crisis response plan is that Bob's giving you permission to implement it. Okay? And that means he's cried out for help. So what starts... As a maybe a uh, just a half baked plan, you have to tell your significant others, "Hey, these are the people to, to call." Now, I heard this radio show with Doc Moeller on there, and he says that of the checklist of the ten things, I'm I'm rating pretty good in the eight and the in the nine category. So it may happen. So that that's what you need to have. And what happens is when you have that plan, people, your friends, your buddy, your wife, your support group will already know what to do. 
it's already, it's, you know, duck and cover. You know, what we did as kids, duck and cover. The plan will be implemented and it will save your life. Okay. So you, on that plan, you've identified your social support, who they are and their phone numbers. These are the people I want you to call if you get really low. Okay. So, uh, you will have those things ready to go. Now, we're going to talk a little bit on statistics. What happens to the suicide survivors? And that's, we're probably going to discuss that mostly next week. And we've got more stuff here. If you think about uh, committing suicide, uh, there are going to be approximately 115 individuals who are going to be exposed and, and affected to a single suicide. Now, that figure, and I don't know how they did this, this is the 2019 study, said 135 people are going to be affected. Now, I, I like to think of it like an atomic bomb going off. If you're in the first half mile, you're going to get this. If you're in the first two miles from the detonation center, okay, if you commit suicide, and I, and I got this from a psychologist friend, you have six kids you just almost assured that one of them was going to commit suicide. So it's not a private thing. Uh, one in five uh, people who a survivor, a suicide survivor, I mean the people, your support group, one in five had a devastating, said it had a devastating impact or major life disruption in their lives. So it's not something you do in private, especially if you have a family, the more friends, you work at a company. 135 people may be uh, affected by what you did. So that alone knows how many people basically care for you in a general sense. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been affected. So that just lets you know there are a lot of people pulling for you. Uh, and for the survivors. Oh, and you know this show I forgot to mention, Dave. I got it in a note here. Family members... And support group people are welcome to listen to this. And there's no rule, law, or ordinance that says you can't be a helper and jump on board the train to help people because these support groups are out there. So we, we encourage, even if you have a friend with PTSD, to listen. You might be the person to save his life. Um, suicide and grief, uh, suicide-associated grief is intense and it can become chronic and it's non-linear and what they mean by that is oh it's been four years so i have to be better and it's been six years so i'm even more better no uh it's non-linear it can fluctuate up and down and it's also complex there is no time frame for complete healing some people will never get over it uh and, and a summary statement is the this suicide grief does not always move in a forward direction. So remember, you know, uh, for those in the support, uh, I mean, experience or our survivor suicide, that support groups for you uh, uh, are critical. Another thing, survivors should also not expect their lives to return to normal or previous state. And I'll hate to put it as the word ever, to ever expect their lives to turn normal. Now, if we have some veterans, first responders thinking about suicide, they need to listen to this too. 
because uh, you're going to affect a lot of people. It's just not about you. So, you know, that's not meant to be, you know, cold and hard. But, you know, Dave, we're being in the military. Hey, facts are your team is going to miss you. And that, that may may be enough to make them change their mind. Uh, one struggle that survivors have uh, is the, the why it occurred or how could they have intervened or how could they possibly have prevented this. And those are very difficult issues. But the first thing, again, you need to, need to have a plan. You need to rate yourself. You say, hey, I'm a vet. I saw all this. I rate high on this score. Call one of your friends say, hey, you know, how about I just give you some names and just keep them? You'd be surprised how your, your buddies do want to support you. Well, Dave, I think we want to make time for any comments that you want to, uh, want, want to make, and we can get uh, more going next week on this, too. My only comment, uh, I think this has been one of uh, the best shows, and I say that almost every week. And, you know, as long as... And I would like to hear from people. That's one thing I'd like to just email GM at America's Web Radio. You can ask Dr. Don a question or you can make a comment or if you'd like for Don to address something in a coming show, we can do that. And, uh, you know, we just we love our veterans and we are our veterans and that's why don can can talk like he can talk because he's been there and done that and he knows what he's talking about and there is hope and help for if you have ptsd and you're not sleeping at night there is hope and there is help and uh don can tell you all about it and you know, we want to hear from you, though, and I think that's what makes the show important is that we're reaching out to the veterans with a helping hand. And we have a lot of other veteran shows and a lot of other uh, – if you've got a problem, go to a, one of your local organizations and get, get help from a, a service officer. And uh, they're there to help you. They're there to help you get through the struggle with the VA or whatever it happens to be. So with that being said, Don, we got to wrap it up, and uh, we will be with you next week. And thank you for a, a very good show. My pleasure. Bye, Dave. Take care. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.